it will be easier. It will be much easier to have a discussion with you guys if my mic was on. So you know what it is. It's Friday. Anything happens on this show as me being muted for 49 seconds. But we here. It's Friday. We ready. You know how we do. Right before you get ready to go out to the club, I had that conversation so we can debrief, find out what's going on in the world. We, uh, the presidential debate, the presidential debate, <laughs> that was a hot topic. I got some guests coming on today that are going to discuss some things between, you know, being a black man in the country, how you feel about what the country is going to turn over to be. Uh, anything that's new. So, you know, you know how I feel, you know how I feel. Like I just want everybody to win. So as usual, please get your, uh, mail-in ballots. If that's the way you're going to vote this year, make sure you, uh, get it early. I think it's, uh, seven, seven, eight, eight, eight to VB, VBM. Man, I'm good. VBM to 7788. And that'll get your mail-in ballot. That is uh most important thing that we're going to do today is being able to get our mail-in ballot. So we got to make sure all that all that is rocking. So I see Miss Sabrina watching. How you doing, Miss Cooper? Good to see you. Hey, Miss Wilson, good to see you too. So I am... I am... Uh, just I'm baffled about the outcome of or the presentation of our presidential debate but I'll I'll bring that up when we get the gentlemen's in and all, all that so I'll make sure to do that but this is why one thing I want to say before we get started welcome to the YouTube people like we got YouTube fans after last week, we went over to YouTube, decided to be streamed these Fridays, every uh, every Friday talks on YouTube. Got a couple fans of you new to the show. My name is Antoine Brown. I do this to talk to my people. We started doing this because, you know, COVID had some stuff that was going on that, we, you know, we wasn't talking to each other. We had a lot of mental health stuff going on. There was a lot of things going on in the world with the Black Lives Matter and, and all that good stuff. So we just ready ready to just now every friday we talk before we go out to the club if that's virtual club if that's going out to have a, a drink or a dinner and these uh and these things in in the new restaurants and how we do stuff with all our uh covet gear or whatever we calling it as long as we say see lisa dove washington hey lisa dove happy friday to you so here we are so now now we here and we we rocking. We are rocking. Hey, Miss Grace, how are you today? Good to see you. Glad you're safe. Glad you're here. So we rocking. So I know I got. Uh, I think I got Shelly in the in the waiting room, and we had Miss Shelly on before, and I've decided to bring her back today. So we're gonna get Miss Shelly. How are you, Miss Brooks? Good to see you. How are you? I am awesome, Antoine. How are you? I can't complain. It's Friday, and I know. I know I had you on before, but you know what we do. I need to know how you know me because we got new fans now because we moved StreamYard and our Friday night talks over to YouTube. So now 
We got people that may not met you. They ain't went back and watched that show. So tell everybody how you know me. So we met in a business venture many, many years ago. And um, through business, we formed a friendship. And with you and Felicia, you helped me promote and to start and promote a uh, blog talk radio show called The Red Room Radio. And you were my very first co-host. Um, for years, it was an amazing show with you as a co-host. And then you moved on to bigger and better things. And we see what that is now. So that's how we got started. And I'm so excited to see that what you're doing now, because it is an outreach to so, so many people. And it just makes me excited to be a part of anything that you do, because, I mean, it's just it's just what you're meant to do. I truly believe that. And I appreciate it. And, you know, it's funny that you talk about that radio show, because I think that was might have been the second attempt that me and Felicia had tried to do something. We used to have, we ain't going to tell nobody, we used to have a couple's uh, blog talk. So it might be out there floating in the universe somewhere. It was really good between us, but we was like, we better just stop doing this. So we I stopped. Could see how that would be great. Yeah, it was, that it was might be. <laughs> That might be something that y'all could do again to help a lot of people. Now, Felicia likes to be behind the scenes. She don't want to jump up in front of the camera now. I know. I know. So I, I leave her alone. I don't, but she got, we know she's smart and we know she got good insight, but I'll, I'll let her stay behind the scenes. I love you, Felicia. When I know you, you're doing what you do. So, <laughs> but Shelly, that, that's, uh, that, that did start me to being comfortable more just, just talking about experiences because, it's, what's funny is I, st- I found your book that you never signed for me. And I'm going to need you to bring that book back up and make sure that that book, because that book's still walking into, what is it, walking in my own shoes? Who is the These shoes hurt my feet. These shoes hurt my feet. The best title. And it's a I lot of people that have shoes hurting their feet politically right now. So yes, it's relevant in so many different ways. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going to need to re-promote your book so people can... Okay can rehash what that book had to offer because it was some great, great titles. And all I remember coming into your house and it was a big old shoe chair. I will never forget the shoe chair. So it was- I it was, still have that. I still have that chair. Yes, okay, make sure you take a picture of it and send it to me. So I, I will. <laughs> all right, Shelly, right, listen, I wanted you on because I needed a female voice on this show tonight. I got some gentlemen coming on. Very smart gentlemen, and they. I talked to uh, a couple of them I work with in the political realm, but uh, Femi, who's coming on, is a brother of a friend of mine, and I had a conversation with him about education because he's in that realm, and I had a conversation about black men in America, and we just had a good conversation on how to get kids to college and all of that good stuff. So I'm going to bring him on, let him introduce himself, and then okay. we're going get, to get our conversation started. Okay. How's it going? Man, I'm good. How are you today? I'm good, man. I guess I got I to game a little later. But in the meantime, I'm here. Hey, man, I listen, I appreciate you coming on, you know, in between your your, your stuff. I really wanted to, to spark up a conversation. I'm going to first introduce you to our, our guest, too. Her name is Shelly Brook. And How's it going? Femi. Good. How are you? Good, good. So, Femi, I kind of gave it away, but everybody that comes on the show, I always ask them, how did they meet me and say some good things about me? Nothing negative, okay? I know you don't know <laughs> negative, but just go ahead and tell the people how you meet me. And we're, remember, we're streaming on YouTube and we're streaming on Facebook Live right now. 
Okay. So my twin sister and Antoine are friends. And so I get a random message from my sister. She goes, hey, I need someone to do an interview for a friend. And he's asking about, you know, black men and, like, their college experience and, like, how they got there. Like, what was their intro to college and so on and so forth. So I go, yeah, cool, no problem. I can do it after, like, once I'm off from school, once I'm done teaching. And so then me and Antoine get on the phone, and it ends up becoming this super deep, super long conversation, thinking about, like, what our exposure to college was or lack thereof, and thinking about how that ends up correlating and translating to young brothers, you know, getting to school or lack thereof, or when some kids get there, they're kind of, like, in and out, or they're not really sure, or they don't end up really, like, fully committing to the process of getting a degree with the focus of, I'm doing this so I can work. So some kids end up getting stuck in that situation of like, I'm just here because I'm supposed to be here. Or, or like in my case, originally it was like, I'm here for sports, whatever the case is. So there was a really good conversation about that. So we got to dig into a lot with that. And, and listen, it's probably going to be another phone call. It's not going to be random this time. So because <laughs> I'm probably going to reach out to you because I'm still digging into that topic. Uh, just understanding I know it's a lot when it comes to African-American males and school aspect and crime aspect and jail aspect. So really my, my capstone changed over the last couple of months where I'm pivoting to see how I can get more African-American males to college, through college, financially free. So I, I have to design an innovative, innovative capstone around that topic. So I'm calling as many males that I know that either went to college and didn't finish or wanted to go to college and they didn't go, which is our whole population. So if you know somebody that needs to talk to me, you think of anybody, please give my number because I need to, uh, I defend my capstone in November the 12th and it's coming. I might know someone off the top of my head. I think I might know someone that like you will get, you will get a very good, deep in depth conversation with a lot of awesome metaphors to go with it. So, all right. So yeah, I got one. I, you got free reigns to send my number and then just tell them, how, let them know how I met them or how they know me and we can go from there. But listen, I'm, I got some other, uh, I got, I got a full panel today so we can have a conversation around, uh, we're going to have probably be around race because of your presidents and your, and the vice president presidential debate, which is probably <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. But I got a colleague that's the one that works with me uh, in the Democratic Central Committee, and I called him and I asked him to join us today. So, Felicia, if you could bring on John, and let's let's talk to John, and we we'll, we we'll let John introduce himself. What's going on, Mister Carr? How are you, man? I am excellent. How about yourself? Man, I can't complain. I appreciate you uh, always being available to help me out anytime I call you, man. It's it's truly, truly a blessing to be able to call a brother. He'd be like, man, sure, listen, I got you. So I appreciate you joining Not a problem. So, Not a problem. So, Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. You you got insight that I want to, to get. So you are the prime person that is good for this conversation we're going to have tonight. So, John, we have Shelly and Femi on the phone. I mean, on StreamYard, and we are streaming live on Facebook and on YouTube. So, if y'all just okay. join us, make sure you like both pages so we can build it up so, you know, the algorithm and Facebook can move us up to the top and we'll be able to get more uh, advertisement and stuff like that. So, John, we just started off on, I asked everybody that joins the show for the first time to tell everybody how you met me, 
and you got to say good things because anything negative, <laughs> get the button on you. So go ahead, John. It's on you, man. All right. Well, the first time I met Antoine was at the uh, Democratic Central uh, Committee as he came on, and uh, we actually sat right next to each other in that first go round, sitting on that that row of chairs, and started to spark off a conversation as far as how the meeting was going. And uh, Antoine looked at me and says, uh, is, "Is this how it normally goes during this time frame?" And uh, I can say one thing. Uh, You've always been upfront and honest. And he actually, you know, for the first time, gave some insight. Uh, brother, it was dealing with other members is, and uh, also his experience. So uh, from there, you know, we continue to talk from time to time, especially uh, during our, our meetings. If we can sit right next to each other. But uh, this is a brother full of uh, insight and will always tell you the truth. And it's much appreciated. Much appreciated. Hey. Hey man, I appreciate it because in our in our game of uh, what I've learned in my short time is if you don't have one person in this game that you can at least tell the truth and you know you're gonna get the truth, it's gonna be a long road trying to do anything else around. So I promise you, right I about that. yeah, I don't have anything but truth to give you, and I'm gonna keep being me. And I, I appreciate you for being who you are because John didn't say in this field is he a police officer, and I ain't never like them. So, thank you for who you are, and, and we're we going to talk about that. So, John does work for our sheriff's department in Prince George's County, and I appreciate just knowing, because this part, John, is why I wanted to have you on, because this normalized okay. police, this doesn't, okay. you know, just you being, you yeah. Yeah, you're on the Democratic Central Committee, I know you got some other aspects going, but nobody sees you out of uniform just being just being playing old John on a Friday night, hanging out with Shelly and Femi. Like, we just here to just have a good conversation. So I sparked yeah. up, I don't know if you heard me in the back room, I sparked up the conversation about the, uh, about, let's talk right. about race, because your president says some, some, some racist slurs to those boys that I've never heard of. Oh, what? Time I, yeah, can you, can you hear me, Femi, you still there? No, I mean, I hear my service just kicked in and out. Okay. All right. Do you think? So I'm going to start off with you, Shelly. Ladies first. How you feel about it? How you feel about what he said? Uh -huh. If you don't want to talk about that, that's fine. Anything you got? Uh, no, I definitely want to talk about it. Um, at first, I was shocked, but I think just normally hearing things like that will shock you. But then I stepped back into reality and said, why does it shock you? It's what we've heard over the last four years in the, in the beginning of the administration. I think it was subliminal, but now it's just upfront, you know, in your face. This is how I feel. Um, I think we just have to take the things that he says with a grain of salt and just know that he's not the true representation of what, most of us want as a leader of our country um, and do what we can do to make change that will help our communities and help our black people. I think if we get upset about it, then that doesn't solve the problem. And you know me, my focus is always on solutions. Just address the issue, but then focus on the solution. So it, 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 was, it was disheartening in a way, but I had to, to realize who it was coming from right. and just say, you know what? You cannot let this get to you. 
there, there were a lot of angry people. I mean, and rightfully so. But I think we just have to kind of look at it and say, you've never been for us. So why should I expect it now? Right. Femi, how you how you feel about what your president said or did? Anything that stood out to you during the debate? Honestly, no. Like my biggest um my biggest saying throughout this entire process has been this is America. Like we like, especially all of us growing up being black folks and whatnot, we've experienced and seen all these things that people would never believe or Oh, we lost him. So, John, I'm, I'm going to go over to you, man. Like, let you say your spiel, and we get Femi back. We'll let him continue. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, I agree. You have to take certain things with, with a grain of salt. Uh, you understand as far as who the message is coming from. You understand their background. You understand what they've done in their past, uh, how they actually got to the position to where they are. And then you put that to where you are in your life. And then you make the decision on how to change or how to make change, rather be in your community or how to make change throughout the country. Uh, does this person relate to you? Does this person understand exactly what you're going through? If not, how can you get mad at what they're saying? We know what they are. As they say, if it walk like a duck, it quack like a duck, it's a duck. So I don't understand why, you know, people get upset, they get mad. But hey, this is America. You have the right to say whatever you want to say. Uh, but every four years, there, there, there will be a change, you know, and, and we need to be a part of that change. So I, we can't get upset, especially with everything going on right now in the world. Uh, you know, we have other stressors in our life. Why add that stress to your life? You know exactly what you need to do uh, come the uh, election day. And, uh, you know, everybody vote their conscience. Everybody vote their mind. I, and I, I feel like y'all like... Honestly, either way, it, it, it could have been, I told somebody, it could have been a whole alligator up there debating against Donald Trump because he showed me over the last four years that he doesn't represent what I got going on. Every chance he has an opportunity to show some empathy on one side of the aisle, he chose to stay on the side that he already was. So why would I, that, that's anything... If I continue to, if I go to work every day and my boss, I know my boss racist, I'm not going to keep staying at this job and dealing with them. And they ask me, do I have an opinion of who I want? And I'm not going to be like, yeah, keep him in. He's great for the job. I don't care what he's doing for one half of the people. He still ain't doing it for who I think he should be doing it for and on our side. And as the president of the free country of the free world, like you're supposed to be representing everyone and he just don't do it. So but I got some. I got some people. One, I, I think after the election, because I can't do it during the election. I got some friends that's Trump supporters that's on my page that I didn't know. Like they be diehard Trump supporter. I can't do it right now because I don't think I can stomach <laughs> some of the conversation. <laughs> but I, I, and I'm being honest, I don't think I'd be but, able to do it. But I'm gonna bring them on so at, at some point to have a conversation with. But that's what makes us great, though. The differences between us, and yeah. I mean, uh, think about it. You would have, would you have thought that you have people who you know, who you associate yourself with, who you can relate to, that actually support somebody who you think is completely different, and you get to see. It doesn't change your mind of who they are, but you do get a different insight, and it's always good to get different insights from different people. That's what keeps us like, ground. I treat it like sports, John. Like I don't care if you're a Redskins fan, I'm a Giants fan. We all football fans. Oh, come so on now, football. come on now. 
you nowhere near New York, so you can't tell me you're not a Washington football fan right now. Nope, I am not a Washington football fan. I will never be a Washington football fan. You can put that on record. It's, it's live. 20, 37. <laughs> Won't happen, John. Will not happen. See? See? But we still get to be close. We still get to be close. <laughs> okay, hold on before we go. Because I know, Femi, you got to get off free soon. I'm going to come back to you. But every another thing that I do, y'all, is I highlight a, a, a African-American business. I haven't done it in two weeks. I haven't had anybody come on and, and support their business. But I do have a guy who made my shirt. I don't know if y'all can see it, but my shirt say HBCU made. I went to Livingstone College on the wrong side. Livingstone College Blue Bears. And when he made the shirt and it came in the mail, I felt like I was back on freshman year campus. So I was like, <laughs> hey, brother, I need you to come on my show on Friday. Let me promote you. And we're going to go from there. So I'm going to bring on T-Bro. <coughs> T-Bro talk about his business real fast because I know he can't stay long. So I'm going to let him do his and do his thing. T bro, you on mute, bro. I'm gonna take your mute off. Hit the mute button, T. Hey, I'm glitching a little bit. Can everybody? We get You're in and out. You're in and out. Yeah, we getting car issues today. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the best thinking gets done in the car, though. Go ahead, man. You you can hear me? Yeah, go for it. Yes, sir. Okay. I just wanted to say, I just want to say thank you, man, for bringing me on here. Um, I own a little business called Custom by T Bro, and we are custom apparel shop, uh, e shop, and our our latest. Uh, product is the product that you have on right now, HBCU made, and a lot of our products and apparel comes from just the idea of uh, us wanting something to represent who we are, and a quality product, and also an affordable product, so um, my motivation is to uh, make quality products never minding the, the, the price so it's kind of like what i like so this this shirt is on like a trap band shirt which is a pretty expensive shirt um because you know my hbcu just like probably everybody who went for hbcu is near and dear to my heart so i need something that's gonna um last and feel good and super soft like i like my shirts and really um least on 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 the big cartel site is a bunch of colleges and really it just burst because i made a link and i went to lincoln university and uh folks are hitting me up like hey did you find you can you do Livingstone? you do you know morgan state so we started with just lincoln university and now it's about 30 30 schools on there and also hey, T-Bro, man, I, was say, I like i like go ahead can you hear me yeah go ahead and the last thing I was going to say is a lot of my apparel is is like, you know, if you know, you know. So if you take a look at your shirt, um, Antoine, it's, it's, uh, Livingstone College isn't on there anywhere, but that cool bear is on one of the shoulders and one of the sleeves. And it's like, if you know, you know. Listen, I, I told you I got this shirt and I felt like it was it was the best thing ever. So I am. If you look down right now on the ticker. 
Uh, T Bro's information on his IG page is there. He got some shirts on there that's that's fire. Make sure you pick one up. All my Livingstone grads, I can't talk about these other HBCUs, but my Livingstone grads, we have a virtual uh, homecoming coming up on the, I think it's the eighth. It's the seventh, eighth, ninth, that whole weekend. So go pick you up a shirt so we can support T Bro on that day. And man, I appreciate you coming on. I wanted to shout you out for this shirt. I appreciate everything. And make sure you stay in touch with me. I'm going to reach out to you. I know people are going to hit me up for how to get in touch with you. So I'm going to pass on your IG and your email and all that stuff. Absolutely. Thank you for the love, brother. Thank you, everybody. All right, man. Listen. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> I know. I know, but it's he got some. The, the shirt is quality, so you know how you go get the little glide or glade, whatever that shirt called it. It's not it. Yeah. This material. This is all it. So I was like, oh yeah. And then what I didn't think <laughs> on the shirt was eighteen dollars. So I was like, oh, twenty dollars for a quality shirt, and it wasn't over that. This we we in here, and plus it's a black man who's local. No, one hundred percent. like you got that support. makes it that much better. That makes it better. So. That's good. Hey, John, did, uh, you went to Morgan? No, no. I have a daughter who goes to Morgan. My oldest is in Morgan right now. Okay, Messing yeah. up on her senior year. So, yeah, okay. I go there. I, I, I go there, too. <laughs> you pay for it. <laughs> yep, I go there, too. <laughs> yeah, I graduated out of University of Mercy College Park. But, yeah, I go there, too. <laughs> What's some Morgan in your... In your uh, and you know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Clint too. So, you know, Clint yep. went to work. So, you know, my police police officer friends. I don't know how y'all became my friends, but what do you mean? Police officer aspect. So, hey, all right. So, Shelly, how's yeah. your son? My son is awesome. Um, he is still working trying to figure out what the next direction is. He is very, very involved in, in, in the um, political process right now, um, which is, what is interesting is I hear him and his friends, he's 22, and I hear the political conversations, the what's going on in the world today. And he's like the person that does all the research and throws the information out there, lets them debate it, they go, fact check and then come back and they have these conversations and it's like wow so he's, awesome. he's 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 doing great and it's it makes me proud to hear him so hear that he's having conversations with other young black men that are so connected in you know their mindset to not just believe what you hear and what i tell you but go find out for yourself and then come back and have you know good conversations about it, and even trying to figure out. So, what can we do to make change? Mm -hmm. So he's he's doing great. That's good. That's good to hear because I you know I thought about him the other day because he's always been a bright kid, and I know he was he, he had great teaching from his mom. So I know he's always been on top of it. But if you ever need something, you know, point him in a direction or something. I got a network of black men that'll give him give him some good stuff. I know it. I yeah. absolutely know it. I mean, tell him whenever he's ready, just just let it go. Hey, Femi, let me let me holler at you before you go because I know you about to go. You about to go grab some flags. So <laughs> listen, that's the game plan. Yeah, I mean, so, I got like I, said, I got I got probably like another four, like 30, 40 minutes. Okay, there's gonna right. be traffic over this bridge, so I'll, I'm here for a little bit. But yeah, I'm listening. 
so so okay, me and you had a conversation about uh about your experience at college, but your sister gave me uh she said you've been you've been talking about some things on your Facebook page that's happening in your town and I wanted to see if you wanted to share it. <laughs> so um so I wait before we get started on that, which part did she mention? She There's just a lot the, of stuff going on. She just did the Black Lives <laughs> Matter portion. Uh, yes. So um, a friend of mine, it was her and some other people I know from like around the block and stuff, they were making a big push to get a Black Lives Matter mural put in our town. And so as of right now, it's officially passed because everything was privately funded, like all the materials and stuff to like put it up. But there was a there was kickback initially and the town council split and I guess you needed like I forgot what the um what the voting situation is when it comes to like how many of them have to do it. I don't know if it has to be like just a majority or like how much of a majority needs to be. But um two people had kind of pushed back and so one person was talking about, oh well tried to go the like political route. So they were like, well, if we allow this painting to be there, what's stopping someone from advertising, I don't know, like their paint company or so-and-so. So they're trying to, and they're like digging for all these different like fake political response that makes like the average person that's not really thinking go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like you can't really have advertising out here. And it's like, it's not an advertisement. You know what I mean? Like we can get deep into like what it really is, but at the end of the day, it's not simple advertising. We're not out here selling something. We're not selling a product. We're not pushing a product. So to compare it to advertising already shows where your mind is at when it comes to race relations, especially in a town that's had so many issues plus so much diversity. And so then another person was like, well, I don't want this to set a certain type of precedent towards how it's viewed and like, like what's it going to look like and like, what is the actual organization doing? Like, this is not about the organization. And the organization's only ever really pushed what the message is about. So there was a lot of kickback from that. But at the same time, there was also people that, like, people knew growing up, like, coming out of the woodworks, making very far, far-right statements. You know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. For, yeah. You know, for being, like, very far-right statements about it. And... Once again, my, my response to that is like, I'm not surprised. Like, this is America. Like, like this is literally this stuff. We see this all the time. Like, people try to hide. And, like, since, like, 2015 going to 2016, now people feel emboldened to make these wild statements and to make these wild stands. And they're like, no, this is just how I feel. And I'm like, but do you understand how you feel could potentially get somebody killed because you're going to give somebody a pass yeah. to do the wrong thing? Or it's going to have people miss out on opportunities that we're already missing out on because you feel how you feel. So I feel like that's a big thing that people always try to like gloss over whenever this topic comes up. But, uh, but yeah, so the upside is it got passed and then immediate backlash from it getting passed. I don't know if it's a police officer or someone that's just a police officer supporter. They want to get a blue lives matter portrait put on the street on one of the busiest streets in our town and one of the busiest sections Listen, and once again not surprised this, this, <laughs> this is what 
over well since the I love the fact that the only reason I wanted you to bring it up because she, me and Shelly, we grew up in an African American functional town where race relations is only amongst ourselves, right? So we uh, we don't we don't have we see the pushback in certain sense, like in certain counties. And if you know you go too far east or too far west, then <laughs> you may be in a little trouble dealing with yeah. some of those issues. But I just was like, it's I always call I said I said Prince George's, Prince George's County is Wakanda. Like if y'all didn't know <laughs> Wakanda. It's Prince George's County. We got black businesses. We got black smarts. We got black lawyers. We got black innovators. We got black, 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 black. Like we, we are spoiled when it comes to we. We didn't have black county executives and black police chiefs, and like we, we're spoiled when it comes to how black lives really function. Not even matter. Just how black lives function. We are. We've been around it. We know what it looks like. We know how it. It look. We know what it looks bad. We know when bribery's coming, we can see the you know the negative part of all things black. And then you yep. sprinkle in the powers to be, then you get into a whole different realm. But for you in your uh, town, the powers to be are always going to be there, and you're trying to buck it. And it's just interesting to see how they use the law to, to their advantage so it seems like it's normal. To be one hundred percent person, yes, one hundred percent. Like, um, like a great example of that is like when dealing with like certain certain police officers. Like one of my neighbors growing up, police officer, phenomenal guy, phenomenal officer. Right, every time like there was a professional interaction, first off, he always kept his professionalism, and then it was straight to business, not rude anything, but straight to business, firm, so that way you understand and. That's not how he is as a person, but like as an officer, like not you understand, like okay, like this is what's going on, like we're good, right? One year we went out for Halloween, and so within that group specifically, not a lot of black people. But when you look at the like who the cops normally deal with, especially in the area of town that we're in, because the area that we're from is very black and brown, right? The town isn't per se, but the area where we're from in the town is very like black and brown, like common knowledge kind of thing, right? So we had had a shaving cream fight in our yard. Mom is watching, like everything's good, right? We then leave to go trick or treating. So we go out, we get to one of the busy parts of town where like a lot they like do a whole like they shut down the block, they do the decorations, all that stuff. So we get there and when I tell you we weren't on the block for two minutes. I got stopped before corner. Like me personally, and the group had to stop because I was stopped. But, like, me personally got stopped before the corner. And then we turned the corner. I got stopped by another cop. And they're giving me all this shakedown. They're trying to go through my stuff. Now, keep in mind, as a young kid, I don't understand what my rights are. So he's like, "You, I need to see what's in the bag. Da, 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 da. I'm opening the bag. <laughs> like, immediately. Like, I was like, I, I, like, listen, I don't have anything, like. Like we we literally we already left. Like we don't, like I don't have any shaving cream. Meanwhile, one of my best friends is literally holding a can of shaving cream in his hand, and the cop walked past him to get to me. Wow! And so then he starts giving him a little stack, but then he realized like, yo, he 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 effed up. Like he couldn't get me. So now he's trying to give like my friend a hard time who is white, 
but he's not doing all the stuff he did for me. Then he leaves. And then I think we got stopped another time later that night in a different part of town. Same scenario. Everyone, everyone's we're walking as a group. Cop, snake and slither away. Gets through. He sees me. I get stopped. And I got to go through the whole thing again. He's trying to show, oh, yeah, see what's going on here. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, I can't even walk. Like, this is crazy. And yeah. it runs no, so deep in the town that that was so normal to everybody. Like, no one, like, no one really bad in it. Like, my friends did, but, like, no one saw that and was like, yo, what is he doing? It was just normal. Yeah, because they, they knew. But, Shelly, how did, I, you know, with John and Shelly, both of you, I know you got kids, and I know we in a, a different time. I'll be interested to hear, John, definitely what you say to your kids, you being an officer. And, Shelly, what are you saying to your boys about how we treating race right now? Oh, okay. I'll well, start. I don't know if Shelly want to start. Go ahead. No, you can go ahead. You start. You start. Because no, I'll be long. I'll be long winded. Because I have a, <laughs> a from 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 one. You know, I, I grew up in Washington D.C. And then you know, uh, as a young teenager, we came out to Prince George's County. So uh, we came to Suitland, Maryland. I lived right off of Sylvia Road. Uh, and then we moved out to Clinton. And so I can lived in Southeast when I grew up, uh, born and raised. Uh, so my perspective of law enforcement is your typical African-American, young African-American uh, standpoint of, hey, you know, you see law enforcement, you know, you go the other way or you have that impression that, hey, once they see me, depending on what I actually have on and depending on, you know, how I'm conducting myself, that I may be stopped. I may be questioned. They may want to know exactly, hey, where am I going? So as I got older and educated myself and actually graduated uh, college, I went for criminology, criminal justice and thought about being, you know, being a lawyer. Uh, at that point, I said, well, hey, let me let me take some steps. Actually, uh, I started to, you know, look at law enforcement. And that's when I, you know, became a law enforcement officer here in Prince George's County actually going through that process, actually being on the job for almost, you know, 20 years now, uh, there's a perspective to it. You know, uh, you see exactly what everybody is saying or what they're complaining, complaining about because you were a part of that. But then you also see from the law enforcement standpoint, you know, what they're looking at. Uh, to have young kids and for them to see me in that uniform every day, their perspective may be different than what others may, you know, may, may, may look at when they look at law enforcement because, hey, you know, my father's law enforcement, you know, I know his friends who are law enforcement and the way they treat us or the way when we go out, it isn't an issue, but I still have to have that conversation because, hey, they will go to uh, a area or out of Prince George's County where it's not predominantly African-American and, hey, because I am in law enforcement and if they give my name, they may encounter somebody who knows me or say, well, hey, I know, okay, well, that's your father. And then they may, as, as we would say in the community, they may get a pass. But if they go somewhere where African-Americans are looked upon as, you know, a threat or that there may be an issue, they may be treated differently. So I still have to have that conversation with mm -hmm. my kids about how to conduct themselves, what to look for, and why an officer may be asking you these questions. And just to speak from the law enforcement standpoint, it's a it's a culture. You know, you have to, to look at and I wrote a thesis on this when I got my master's. You, you have to look at 
uh, law enforcement's uh, use throughout the history of America. You know, if you go deep down south, law enforcement uh, at some point in time would actually enforce Jim Crow laws. You know, uh, we have to take a look at that. But as a community now, as we go through this, this civil unrest, and we want uh, to highlight that African-American lives and black lives matter, we have to, we, we have to take uh, ownership of that. And, you know, I'm looking for, and the different agencies are actually asking to hire law enforcement, you know, African-Americans in law enforcement, so then they can bring that culture, they can bring that understanding of working in these communities. I'm a big fan of, hey, I have to understand and live with those folks and know the different cultures in Prince George's County, whether that's African-American, Latino, Asian, in order for me to better service them. And that's what law enforcement is supposed to be, a service. I work for, you know, the citizens. And when you look at that, can you say law enforcement as a whole that everybody feels that same way? I shouldn't actually interact with somebody and always be on the defense or offense. If a citizen feels uncomfortable of being around me, I shouldn't take that as they're trying to hide or they're trying to be deceptive. I should take that as, hey, depending on their culture, depends on their interactions with law enforcement before me, that they may be an issue. So I think these are the things that we really need to talk about. But in a law enforcement culture, I think we do need to be a little bit more diverse. And the only way we can do that is get people from the African-American communities to be law enforcement officers. And when you listen to songs, when you get to you know, it's very hard to say that African-Americans will want to be part of a law enforcement community. You know, why you want to be a, as you, as Antoine, would you say? Yeah, I'm surprised I got friends that are law enforcement. But when you know us, you realize that, hey, we are just like you. We come from similar backgrounds, but it's how we conduct ourselves. And the more people that we can get on the agency or in law enforcement that way, rather they're African-Americans, you know, Caucasians, Asians, that, hey, feel more comfortable with being around different races, the better off we'll be in law enforcement. And we shouldn't have to deal with some of these issues. That's hey, you make some some good points, and I'm gonna speak on it, but I'm gonna let Shelly tell me how she feels about you know talking to her son about race right now. Well, I never when he was younger, I never really had to have that conversation. We lived in Prince George's County in a predominantly black neighborhood, um, in areas where you know we were the majority. So we never really had situations where I had to explain to him, you know, how you possibly could be treated differently until about six years ago um, when we moved from PG County to Virginia and moving to where we live now, it's in the city. So everything is walking distance and it was a sense of almost like security that he had because we were the minority at this point. But what I also, what I had to do was give him the example of don't feel that you're different and you won't be treated differently. So I had to explain to him that you cannot walk to the store with a, a hoodie on. I mean, this was, you know, during the time that, you know, young black men walking down the street with a hoodie on, they, they would just be snatched up by the police for any given reason. Um, and he didn't understand that because it was nothing that he had ever experienced before from anybody that he knew. The news, you know, that was one thing, but 
you know, when you're 16, 15, 16 years old, you're not focused on, and it wasn't as, 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 as brazen as it is now. So he never really saw it. So having to have that conversation with him, you know, don't have this false sense of security that because you live in a neighborhood where everybody seems to be nice to you, that they will be nice to you. It All it takes is one person. And that was a tough talk because it was like he then began to realize I kind of missed out on something that I need to learn about. So that's probably when he started learning about, you know, prejudices in the world and how just because he is a young black man that he would be treated differently. And it was it was a tough conversation, but it was one that I felt that I needed to have. So it, it just it just depends. It's tough yeah. that we should have to have that conversation. It, it is. I had to so, have it. And, so you know, Avery, I got a 24 year old out here and I have my 12 year. Go ahead, John. No, I was going to ask to throw a question out to you, Antoine. And yeah. this is I mean, it could be for anybody on the panel. And this is coming from from a right. law enforcement perspective, actually, actually trying to make sure that, hey, try to get a better understanding. And this is just our culture. So when you look at and I'm trying to, to find the best way to, to try to phrase this, because I'm very big, especially in the agency, that no matter where you are, it should be the same service. If I am in Bowie, that I should get the same service being in Suitland, Capitol Heights, District Heights. But you have those type of interpretations that, hey, if you're in this area, that means this person is going to act a certain way. If I'm in, you know, Bowie, then, OK, the person is going to act a certain way and it should be straight across the board. So you, this, this Antoine, as you were, were talking about before, and, and this goes to this African-American culture. When we're coming up and we're growing up, when we're around our friends, we act a certain way. You went to you know uh, college and then you go to these board meetings and you graduate, you get a nice job and you're in corporate America. You act another way when you're around them. So you, and unfortunately we have to do this as you know, African-Americans, and we've been doing this for many, many years, you know, it's not assimilation, but it's more survival where, hey, in the corporate world, I can go out and act, act a certain way, I can dress a certain way, but I know if I actually wore certain items that, hey, I may go out with my friends on, I may perceive, may be perceived differently in that corporate arena or in a, in a certain area. And I agree with you, Shelly. We shouldn't have to go through that. That's some of the things and the barriers that we need to actually break down. If I have dreads, if I have long, uh, uh, you know, a, a beard, if I'm wearing jeans and a certain shirt, I should be able to go to, you know, any no, community, any whether community, it be Montgomery County or Fairfax, Virginia, and that be judged as a possible threat. And I think those are the barriers that we need to break down. But you tell me your experience, Antoine, because I know. I know where you work. I know, you know, I, you know, the people you interact with. Yeah. No I'm one with you. You have different lingo depending on where you are. And we do. We do. And you're absolutely right. And, and to this day, when I'm when I'm at homecoming, I'm 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 feeling my myself <laughs> as I was back in college. But you're right. When we put on our suit and tie, I hold and conduct myself accordingly. And that's how it, it is. And I get it. But I feel like, you know, we do do that. Right. So, I, you know, I make the comment, I always laugh, I got all these law enforcement friends, and I feel like I've been guided in a way where you see, and as I grew up, 
and move towards the professional side of me, it did give me an opportunity to know, okay, if I get pulled over by the police officer, it's not, it's not Corporal Steen. He it's not it's not him, but it's not bad because it's the human behind the shield. So humans make mistakes, right? I, ain't I take the color out because honestly, it was more black police officers messing with us versus white police officers. So when we see, it wasn't a color barrier with them. It was the uniform. So when we see the uniform, you still have to remember it's a human. Well, I had to remember it's a human behind that. All he's trying to do is get home to his kids, his wife, or his friends. Like I'm trying to get home to my kids, my wife, or my friends at the time. So I, as I when I started looking at it like that, it calmed me down. Still had to go through the bull that you go through as a black man and the police and their authority because it's not necessarily how they treat you. We feel like as citizens, they feel as they have the authority to do it, like not to treat me as a human being or a person that you can have a conversation with. I'm an immediate threat and I'm not a person. And, and when you see the uniform, I all, you, us as black men, and I, and I know our women do it too, but us as black men always go to, oh, he gonna treat me like I don't deserve to be walking or I don't deserve to be driving in my car or this car, or I don't deserve to be here when I've worked for, or I live here because I bought these things. So the conversation about my kids is my 24 year old is, is as they, as they grew up on was being disciplined by me, my saying was them was always, I'm not doing this because you got in trouble in school. I'm not doing this because you can't get a test right. I'm doing this because it's going to be a police officer or a white person or somebody that doesn't respect you, that don't think you understand how to take authority or an authoritative statement the correct way so you can be able to stay alive. It ain't about you doing nothing else but staying alive. So if you can't take orders from a guy, your father, who loves you and knows I'm not here to harm you, how are you going to be able to do it when we out in these streets? by yourself with somebody who has bad intentions and not being able for you to come home. So it's a, it's it's sad, it's different. And I'm not saying I was the greatest kid growing up either, John. No, I grew, but I grew up in Suitland, you know what I'm saying? I grew up off of Swan Road and Silver Hill Road in in okay. the 90s and but, 80s and all that. But, but let me let me interject cuz there's certain things that you said that it was like, okay. So I'm going to give you two perspectives. Law enforcement perspective, as you said, hey, they have families. They're human as well. And this is just in reality in itself. For law enforcement, you know, perception will be reality. You know, name another job that is inherently dangerous to where you have a bad day. You may not go home to your family. Or if you get sued, you may lose everything that you own. And you have to make a split-second decision. And we're talking about this split-second decision either depends on your life or somebody else. You don't actually go out and you're not looking for trouble. A lot of times you get called to these places to actually assist and help somebody. So mind you, once you come out of the academy, you know, everybody's new, you know, they on high alert because they learned the different, you know, levels as far as certain calls of how to, to react. But let's say you've been on the job for several years. Name another job where the only thing you hear every day or you see is somebody at their worst. The calls that they go to, these people need help. You're seeing somebody at their worst. They need assistance. They're asking for assistance. 
And one thing that we we really don't talk about in law enforcement is PTSD. If you're around a negative person or negative things every day and you hear these type of things, you start to then you change as an individual. And they tell you it's the reason why law enforcement used to be 20 years or now 25 years or even 30. It's, it's not a profession that you can be in for a very, very long, long time. The reason why is because that weighs on you. When you see somebody at their worst or you see an accident and it's a fatal or you see somebody, you know, a mother crying or they're, they're a missing person, that weighs on you. You're human. That bothers you that, hey, this person is going through this. So when you say that, hey, the, you know, the officer, you know, may not care about you, even though, you know, these officers, you know, may act in a certain way. How do you know they're not going through some things? How do you know I'm not going through a divorce? How do you know I'm not having child custody issues? How do you know my child at home isn't acting up? And better yet, I'm here at work dealing with your issues and I'm getting more resistance from you because of the uniform that I'm actually wearing. But I'm coming here to try to help you. I think so it's the open so dialogue that needs to be created. If I'm, playing, Go ahead. if I'm playing devil's advocate with you, right? And I hear you. Please do. We haven't we having discussion about uh, right now that we know we me and my wife talk about all the time that the police academy should just be longer. We should be able to take them through a whole series of things and grow them out to be able to be community officers within and then be able to get a gun and work through those mm -hmm. issues. But she actually talked to one of the police officers one day just to have a conversation because she was in a parking lot. Crying. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. She was in the parking lot crying about just. It's, it's just being me and her kids. So if I'm gonna I'm gonna put this, so I'm gonna give him this five minutes on tape, Shelly, if he can't hear me when he comes back. But she was okay. having that conversation, and some of the things, and I wish she was here. If when he comes back from being unfrozen, I'll say, I'll say it. But if you get to that point, and that's a a conversation that we we had where who treats the mental health of the person that's supposed to come out and help us. Because like you said, it's a long, they go through a lot and being in a service, I mean, the army trained me to, to do uh, short term killing expeditions, right. To protect the United States of America. Whole basic training was kill, 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 red, blue, red, this, every blue, red, this. kill, 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 kill. And then you come home, Right, you come home and now I gotta be a citizen with this mentality of finding a threat every time I walk exactly. out. Yeah, so I get what he's saying about you know the mental health of the police officer, but I was going to tell him is so what? So what? If that's the case, then we need to be able to do a productive session on how to get them the help they need. Because if they are out here as using the badge to be as of a service then they need to be able to get the things that's equipped to them. And that is when that code of the shield comes in because we don't want to tell on our brother because we don't want him to lose his job. Like, and I get that, but in order for us to be safe as a citizen, then you guys have to do more when you see those type of things and say something to get the proper training we had. But, you know, I, I, I brung John on for this perspective. I know, you know, we got what we got, so I'm, I'm upset that he had to go, but... But Antoine, one of, the, one of the things that he said, and you touched on it as well, is the PTSD. And I think that, you know, everything that he said is true. Day in and day out, they basically deal with people at their worst. But 
at some point, they have to be able to say, okay, I'm not good right now, so I need to do something about this. Instead, I think what they do is they just take it in and take it in. And after a while, the people that are at their worst, they no longer see them as people. They just see them as someone that they have to interact with in their job. When a police officer has to constantly go to a home for a domestic dispute issue, they get tired of it. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But then after a while, it's like, you know what? They don't they don't do what they really can do, I think, a lot of times. And I have I've known of issues where the police really didn't do what they they, they should have done or could have done and something worse happened. But I think they just see it as, oh, you know what? Here we go again. And they they don't see it with the 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 purpose that they're supposed to be serving the people. And the PTSD is it's just part of the job. And I know this may seem a little cold to say it, but Antoine, you know me, I speak my truth as, as undiluted as I can. You chose that job. You chose that job. Firefighters, they go into burning buildings every day. Some of them don't make it out either. They have to, to go get cats out of trees. And that may not be what they went to the, through the training that they went through. But you chose that job. And if you chose that job, then you are responsible for doing that job at your absolute best. And that job is to serve people and treat them like human beings. And for the ones that do, I applaud you. But hey, for Shelly, one, the I ones know, that don't. I know we got three minutes left, but Femi, you've been trying to say something. I know you got to echo and just turn your radio down and I'm going to let you finish out. Turn your radio down a little bit. so you. Is that, is that good? Okay, so I think the best comparison when you think about law enforcement and what they're supposed to do, so it's a government job, right? So service, I think it should be treated the same way teaching is treated because you can experience in the same degree a blue wall when you're teaching. Like when you when something wrong like happens, it occurs, if there's any information that comes out that you knew saw something, didn't say something, you're grass. Like, you're cut immediately. You're, you are immediately a part of the problem, right? And the reason why is because it's for the sake of the kids. So it's logical. It's understandable. So why would that not translate to something where you have greater power and an even greater responsibility with dealing with greater highs and lows? So why can't that be the standard as well? Because I guarantee if that was a standard and focus, we wouldn't see the amount of issues that we see when it comes to law enforcement. And, and we wouldn't have to look for these outliers of people who are truly there to serve. And it wouldn't be like the, like the drop in the bucket in comparison. It wouldn't be that way. I really do believe that because like I said, when you see it with teachers, when you see it in education, the whole focus is the kids. So when you look at law enforcement, it should be the focus being the people. Well, that's good because you got 30 no, seconds. that's my mute, thought on it. Mute your, that's a great <laughs> thought. So mute your mic so we don't get your feedback right quick. And and I am going to close this show. Shelly, you are awesome as always. Thank, thank you. you it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Femi, for coming on. And Mr. John Carr, I know you probably got a little more than you expected to get tonight. I wanted it to be a chill conversation, but I respect I always respect his uh, opinion and who he is as a person. So I, I appreciate you, all of you coming on. And one more shout out to T-Bro. 
in this awesome shirt with this awesome bear where you at with this awesome bear right here. And I appreciate like having these conversations at, at it. So, you know, I like to keep it at an hour. We are at an hour right now. So last thing, make sure you get out and vote. Text uh, 7788 to VBM or VBM to 7788 to get your mail-in uh, application so you can get that. Send it back and get your mail-in ballot. We saw the presidential debate. We saw how that was. It was a talk on race tonight. Turned into a good one and police and, you know, Black Lives Matter. And it was a great conversation as always. So make sure you follow me on Facebook. Go to my political page. Uh, hit the like button over there. Hey, Auntie, I always love you. Thank you for supporting me. It was uh, some people, uh, Imani, with that Aggie Pride stuff, leave that stuff at home. But uh, make sure you go to my YouTube page, and it should be Antoine Brown something. I can't think of it, but I'll make sure I put it in the comments underneath this so everybody can see it. Make sure you like that up there. Let's get those likes up over there. And let's do this every Friday. If you know somebody who would uh, like to come on the show, just chop it up every Friday night. We're going to do it. Last couple, I think next week we got a good show where we're going to talk about education. And I got a couple of women and guys coming on that's getting their doctoral degrees too. And we're going to expand the conversation via educational style and see what we can do for some of these things and see what they think since they in their programs now. And I know their minds are being expanded. As always, guys, I love you guys. Thanks for coming here. Shout out to all my HBCUs. Shout out to everybody out there. Be safe this weekend. It's, it is fall. It's going to get chilly probably next week, but just be safe. Wear your mask. Have a good summer. I mean, I'm going to get up fall. Have a good weekend, and I'll see you next Friday. <laughs> <laughs>